You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, all the public practices are behind us. Um, complete and total disclosure. I didn't make it all the way through with my notes. <laughs> that final week of practice, I said, I'm not putting one. I, I got the first like four plays in and I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I got more than enough data. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to look at it and see, and I did make some changes. Um, based on things that I saw, you know, I mean, things like, you know, who came back to practice and whatnot, not like Indus gains and, and everything. Um, but I'm, I'm not keeping all the, I have a massive database of notes. If I need to go back and find something, if there was anything massively substantive, again, mostly injuries, I would have taken a look at that, but, um, yeah, I did not quite make it and I do not feel bad about it even slightly. So, um, I do want to, I feel like every single day I'm saying the same thing. I want to look at the 53, I want to look at the 53, I want to look at the 53. I want to look at it through a different lens, though. couple different things that I want to do today. First of all, I do have to give a shout out to JJ for helping me out. Um, I was really not happy with the fact that one of the big things I needed is the same thing I need every year because I never remember to keep it, which is going back and looking historically at how many people they keep at each position, et cetera, et cetera. And I knew I had to do it and I really wasn't looking forward to it. And so I just asked him and he just hooked me up with it. So now I just get to save a lot of time. But there's two specific ways that I want to look at the 53 today. And we, we may look at it a couple other ways. We'll see. They're, they're just different ways of approaching the problem that we're having, which is who stays and who goes. And I think the, the first way that I want to look at it is the um, the reason I chose to do it is because I realize, like everything else, once you get past this period, you realize this period wasn't as important, right? OTAs are the biggest thing in the world until they're done and you get into training camp and OTAs are useless. Then you get into training camp, it's the biggest thing in the world until the pads come on. Then, and then it's like, well, the stuff before the, the pad didn't matter. Then you get into the pre... You know, what, you know what I mean? So once you get past the 53 you realize you spent so much time talking about human beings that you're never really going to talk about again so the first thing i want to do is i want to go through the 53 man roster and just ask the question because there's a lot of guys that are like on the bubble like oh i don't know what to do him and hawing and all this stuff but which human beings do we absolutely need on this roster like if we don't have them that really, really, really sucks. And again, we got to get out of this 53-man mindset, right? Because Brenton Cox is going to be one of those guys that most people are going to say things like, oh, we, I, that would definitely suck. No, it would not. Brenton Cox is not even half as good as Preston Smith. And most of us would say, if we're being realistic, Preston Smith is good, not great. In fact, Brenton Cox is not as good as Kingsley and Igbare, who is beneath Preston Smith. He is not as good as Lucas Van Ness, who has a long way to go before he's like a major piece of this defense. So no, Brenton Cox does not qualify on our list of if, if they were not here, it would make a major impact. And, and the reason I want to do it is I just want to see how many people there are. Because I think what we're going to realize is when we get through this whole period, the team that we're looking at, the team that we talk about on a day-to-day -day basis, once we're in season, 
are not going to be guys like Eric Wilson, Carrington Valentine, you know, Tarverius Moore, Caleb Jones, Grant DeBose, even Malik Heath for that matter, probably is not going to be a big name. Again, I know a lot of the fan base is all in the 53-man preseason hype phase, but in reality, there's going to be two, maybe three big contributors at wide receiver. And I'm not even pretending to know who those two or three are, which is why I'm just going to grab the top three and say that these are the three that make a big difference. But in reality, pick any team in the NFL. You think beyond the top two or three, there's going to be any real contributions? Basically never. All right, so let's start with that. And again, this is, this is partially just to kind of take the temperature down a little bit. It's still fun. But it's kind of also to look at it and say it's sort of just for fun. It's sort of like when we go through the draft and we get real serious about, you know, our mock drafts and whatnot. And then we have to, when it becomes real, recalculate and realize like all the stuff we've been doing is not really real. And we shouldn't take it too seriously because we don't know what we're doing. And it was, it was kind of like just a game, you know. But anyways, quarterback is easy. Jordan Love is the only one that matters. And please understand, I'm fully aware that in the event of injury, some other people might matter. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact of which players do we project right now are going to have a big impact on the season. Because the bottom line is, Sean Clifford might have to play in in the event of some catastrophic injury to Jordan Love. But even then, are we excited about it? No, it's like, crap, I guess we don't have a good quarterback anymore. Running backs, there's just two of them. Patrick Taylor, Emmanuel Wilson, Lou Nichols, Tyler Goodson, Nate McCrary, none of those guys matter. Now, is it possible Emmanuel Wilson can someday become like a legit guy or maybe Lou Nichols? Yeah. Are we talking about that this year? No. Emmanuel Wilson gets people jacked up as a runner. Well, Aaron Jones might actually be gone next year, and so we'll need another runner. So yeah, maybe maybe he could actually be a legit number two to A.J. Dillon. That's a 2024 conversation. Fullback, Josiah DeGuara, yep, he stays. Wide receiver, again, outside of Watson, Dobbs, and Reed, who do you think gets a legitimate target share? And, and to be very clear, it's unlikely that the third guy in that list of three ends up being a big contributor. Arizona last year had two guys over 700. DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown. Nobody else was over 500. The Falcons had Drake London, and then their second was Olamide Zacchaeus, who had 500 yards and three touchdowns. Even their number two, eh. And then Demir Bird had 200-some-odd yards. The Ravens didn't even have a single wide receiver that mattered last year. Demarcus Robinson was number one at 458 yards and two touchdowns. Buffalo had two big ones, Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, etc., 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 etc. You maybe have a number three that's in the 400-yard range, which isn't even that big of a deal. You start talking number fours, you're talking 100, 200 yards, generally. It's a little bit different for the Packers because it was such a, there was so many injuries and whatnot. So number fours became number threes at one point or another. But for example, Samori Ture last year, 82 yards and a touchdown. That's all he had. He didn't even crack 100. So... I'm going to say Watts, Dobbs, and Reed. After that, you've got guys that do stuff. Maybe a couple hundred yards. Maybe one of them, if the ball gets distributed a ton, can be like 400. Maybe on the high end. Tight ends. Luke Musgrave is a yes. Tucker Craft, probably going to be a big factor because he has to be, but I'm not going to add anybody else after that, whoever it may be. 
And again, Tucker Craft is a maybe. Um, offensive line, it's Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Tom. That's it. Backup tackles don't make a difference. Defensive line, I'm going to keep almost everybody with the exception of Jonathan Ford. Well, Jonathan Ford, Chris Slayton, Jason Luan, Antonio Moultrie. When you have the head coach specifically saying that guys like Wooden and Brooks are going to play a big role, especially since there's going to be a massively heavy rotation, it's not going to be like wide receiver where you have the same guys out there all the time with very sporadic you know, injections of certain people, like very little. I think the difference between Brooks and Wyatt is going to be much smaller than the difference between Samore Ture and Christian Watson. So Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, Colby Wooden, Carl Brooks, and TJ Slayton. Edge, same thing. And no, Brenton Cox is not included in that because I don't think he is a pivotal piece. I think he's a guy that many people think could potentially maybe be something, but he might suck. We don't really know. Who knows? He had like four good plays. But Gary Smith, Hollins, Van Ness, and Inigbari. For the linebackers, it's our starting linebackers and not our backup linebackers, so that's Devondre and Quay. Our corners, it's going to be Jair, Razul, and Keyshawn. Safety, I don't exactly know, but I'm going to go with Ford because I want to come back through this and just add in a couple special teamers as needed. And by making it Rudy Ford as the number two, it kind of checks two boxes because Ford is a special teamer. And so it's Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford. Then, of course, you have your special teamers and Pat O'Donnell, da- O'Donnell, Anders Carlson, and Matt Orzik. Orzic, kick, whatever. And then core special teamers, not on this list. Both linebackers go back on. Dallin Levitt gets added. And you could maybe argue Patrick Taylor. I guess if, I guess, uh, depends where you want the cutoff to be. I'll put Patrick Taylor back on for that purpose. Technically, Ballantyne is there as well. So that's something to keep into consideration, but I'm not going to add him because I don't know that he's necessarily even going to make the 53. His spot on the special teams could very easily be replaced, which is why, you know, again, is it really core special teams at this point? But all right, we got Patrick Taylor back on. That puts us at 37 offensive players, 37 defensive players, 74 total players. The rest of this is kind of just a bonus. And I think things get easier when you look at it from this standpoint, at least it does for me. Because we spend a lot of time hemming and hawing about, or at least I do, guys like Caleb Jones that you really want on there. You know, guys like Jonathan Ford that, that really feel like need to be on the team for one reason or another, whether it be out of necessity or that you actually like the guy. But when you think about the actual season, is he really going to play that much? No. Brenton Cox, he's got to be out there. He's really not going to play hardly at all. Same with McDuffie, same with Wilson, aside from special teams. Same with uh, Valentine. These guys are not going to play. But from here, what I want to do now, now that we have our core, I want to just make sure that we have our minimums. So instead of starting with 90 and getting down to 53, I guess what I'm doing is I'm starting from the base, which is who are your starters? Who are your starters or core special teamers? Add them in. And then say, okay, now we got to make sure we at least have minimums. We don't want to start adding back in and then have, you know, five offensive linemen total because we don't like our backups or whatever. That wouldn't be the case, but I'm just saying. And so this is where we're going to bring in JJ's chart. And when I say minimum, again, I'm building as little as I possibly can. I mean absolute bare minimum, which is to say if at any point since 2010 they've had it as, as a low number, that's the number we're operating with. 
So the average for quarterback is 2.4, the low is 2. That one, I mean, fairly straightforward. But still, we have to add in a quarterback. Wonder who that's going to be. Hmm. All right, so we're up to snuff on that. Running back. The low is 2, we're already at 3, so we're good there. Fullback is kind of weird because this whole fullback tight end thing, obviously we can roll 0. Then you look at the minimums for tight end. We could potentially just put Musgrave... Craft and Deguara at tight end. In fact, I think that's what I'm going to do, just because the the main point of this is to do bare minimums, and so that technically could be a minimum, so that's what we're going to do. At wide receiver, it looks like the minimum is five, and they do it quite regularly, um, although not super recently. It was seven this past year, but 2020 was five, 2017 was five, but then 15, 14, 13, 11, and 10. So it was actually five most years, almost every single year, from 2010 to 2015, and then they started upping it. But five is going to be the minimum, so i got to add two back in. I'm going to say it's Tay Wicks and Samori Ture. You could argue Malik Heath is ahead of Samori Ture. You could argue that he's ahead of Tay Wicks, whatever. I just think that that's the most simplistic and realistic if we're just doing five. Malik would be the odd man out. Offensive line's average is 8.8, but the minimum is seven. They only did that once. It was in uh, 2012, but... It's, it is a possibility, so we're going to go with that. We have five already. We're only adding two, which who the heck are we going to add here? Um, almost feels like it needs to be Rashid and Nyman, and you just trust the uh, interior guys to be able to shift around. So, for example, if, if, let's say, Myers and Runyon went down, you would have Tom and Elton sliding. Oh, no, you couldn't have Elton. I don't know. What did they do? I, I guess we'll do one of each. I don't know. We'll say Yash took the job, and then we'll add, I hate to do it, but Royce Newman. We can add back in in a second, I'm just saying. All right, defensive line, minimum is five. We have five off the edge. The minimum is actually four. We have five already. Linebacker, we're obviously going to hit that one. Corner, the average is 6.2, and almost every year it's six. There's been a couple sevens. Only once did we do five, and it was this past year. So five it is. We've got one, two, three. So I think Valentine and Innes are going to be the guys. That makes sense. Then at safety, average is 4.5. The lowest is four. So we've got two in Savage. we got four. Uh, Savage, Ford, and Levitt is three. Oh, boy. I mean, the, the obvious answer for me is Anthony Johnson, but they seem to love Jonathan Owens for who knows what freaking reason. So I will put Jonathan Owens there for now. And all right, so we've got all our core players, the guys that are necessary to be able to do what we need to do. I've added in the minimums for each position. I gave you the wrong numbers before about offense offense and defense, by the way. It doesn't matter. Anyways, that puts us at 20 and 23. 20 on offense, 23 on defense, 43 total. So I can put 10 more guys in here. I think this is the point. I mean, there's two different steps. You could take this process to another level, which is find the times where the minimums are very, very unlikely. But I don't really want to do that because I want to keep them at the bare, bare minimum. And then I want to shift the focus to prioritizing best available players. Guys that you look at and go, oh, come on. They're obviously going to make the freaking team. So as we go through, yes or no, is that a come on, obviously situation? 
Quarterback, I think, is set. Running back, I think, is more or less set. We could add Emmanuel Wilson to be running back four. That is an option. But certainly that's not a, oh, come on. Malik Heath, no. Um, Austin Allen, no. Yash Nyman, yes. Sean Ryan is very close, but I'm going to say no. He'll be relatively high priority. And it, it, I know I said I want to prioritize, you know, best available players, and he probably isn't one of those. But maybe that wasn't the best way to phrase it. More of the, obviously, they're going to make it for various reasons type players. Jonathan Ford, no. Brenton Cox, no. Linebackers are set. Corners, I mean, in my mind, is mostly set. That brings us to safety, where we have um, Tarverius Moore and Anthony Johnson. I'm going to put Anthony Johnson on. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't. I mean, we are more or less kind of set here. Again, there, there are a couple positions you look at and go, it's kind of silly to think they won't make it. But where are we kind of struggling now? We, we've got a quarterback and a backup quarterback. We have three running backs. We have five wide receivers, including Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Samori Torreya, and Tay Wicks. We've got three tight ends, which seems light, but it's, it's doable, and there's nobody else that we really want on that list anyways, Musgrave, Kraft, and DeGuara. We've got our starting five offensive linemen, along with Yash Nyman, Rashid Walker, and Royce Newman, which gives us plenty to work with if there's injuries, like multiple layers. We've got all the defensive tackles we really want, unless you're a big Ford fan. And again, you can make a case for it. He's the only other nose tackle, kind of, even though Kenny will be playing some, and Wyatt will probably... Everybody's going to be playing a little bit of everything. But, like, the guy built, like, a true nose tackle. We've got all the edge rushers we could ever want. Four linebackers. Corners are Jair, Razul, Keyshawn, Innes, Carrington, Valentine, with Stokes eventually coming back. Safety, we have four safeties with Savage, Ford, Levitt, and Owens, which is um, essentially like three safety safeties along with um, two special teamers in Rudy and uh, Dallin Levitt. Maybe Jonathan Owens. I don't know what he's capable of doing. It also puts us at 21 and 23 21 offense, 23 defense, 44 total. So I guess just adding in a couple of the what feels kind of silly, I, I think it's fairly well locked in. Sean Ryan gets on, so I'm going to add him. Malik is a consideration. Some, I mean, something else to keep in mind here. Offensively and defensively, they, they actually keep them very, very similar. The minimum that's ever been on offense is 23. That was only one time. The minimum on defense is 24. So we have to have at least one more offensive piece and one more defensive piece, like as a minimum. So on the offensive side, the considerations are a fourth running back, which could be Emmanuel Wilson, Malik Heath, somebody at tight end, and I think with Josiah kind of likely being considered a fullback, we might need another tight end just to get to the three minimum. So that is a consideration, but I may just put a placeholder in there. I don't exactly know what that could mean. Um, offensive line would most likely be empty at center, which I don't think is going to be the biggest consideration here. I'm a little bit torn between wide receiver and tight end. I think if we're just going best option, it's Malik Heath in terms of who's the next best player. If we're going in terms of what feels the most important, I'm probably putting Austin Allen in at tight end. I suppose I could do both, but I kind of want to just get to the minimums and see where we go from there. I don't think... I I I, ugh. I wish we had even a halfway. I don't want to say competent. That doesn't seem super nice, but somebody at tight end that we were 
in any way expecting to be able to do anything. And that's not, like, I don't know anything about us. Uh, maybe Austin Allen's great. I'm just saying we don't know anything about the guy. There's, there, there can be no expectations placed at his feet for this year. <sighs> I am going to put Austin Allen in, though. It just feels like there does need to be somebody there. Again, especially if we're going to consider, and I know it's just kind of a terminology thing, but the Packers have him at fullback. And if they have Josiah at fullback, then that would put us at two tight ends. Even though there's some overlap in responsibilities, it still feels like there just absolutely has to be, especially since tight end is almost always at least four. There was a rare stretch from 2015, 16, 17, where we did three. Every other year was four or five. It was a five uh, in 2011. So that puts us at 23, which is the bare, bare minimum for offense, which only actually ever happened once. 24 is more of the standard. But we're going to leave it at that until we get up to 24 on defense. So i got to add one other person there. Considerations being Jonathan Ford, Brenton Cox, Corey Ballantyne, in other words, another corner, I guess, and then Tarvarius Moore and Anthony Johnson. And I think safety probably makes the most sense just because there's two of them there that feel like it's unlikely they're not going to make it. Although I just have this weird feeling about Moore. He just seems like the odd man out. Like if you want a pure safety, who do you want? You want Ford or do you want Savage? Then Ford slash Owens. Then maybe Moore if Johnson hasn't already beat him. If you want a special teamer, who do you want? You want Ford? You want Levitt? Then maybe more, assuming he's you know really good at special teams, which I have no way of knowing. He just doesn't seem like he's the top choice at anything. If you have Savage, Ford, Owens, Levitt, and Anthony Johnson, you've got a pile of guys that you feel can play safety and a pile of guys that you feel can play special teams. And adding Tarvarius more to that list doesn't really add anything, in my opinion. So I'm actually just going to do... I'm going to say Anthony Johnson. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang my hat on this Tarvarius more thing. It, it's ne the, the, the Owens and Moore thing never made any sense, even though I would rather have Tarverius Moore than Jonathan Owens. It seems that they like him. So I'm just going to add in Anthony Johnson for now. So that leaves us with three spots. I do think one of them should be on offense because, again, we've only got 23. It's very rare for that to be a thing. And even though I kind of feel like defense is where most of the needs are, I, I, I think I'm going to add in Malik Heath. So if we stopped right now for offense, it would be Jordan Love, Sean Clifford at quarterback, then Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Patrick Taylor, then Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Ture, Wicks, Heath at wide receiver. Tight end is Musgrave, Kraft, Deguara, Allen. Um, offensive line is Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, and Tom, with Rasheed Walker, Sean Ryan, Royce Newman, and Yash Nyman backing up. Defensive tackle, we have Clark, Wyatt, Wooden, Brooks, Slayton. Edge is Gary Smith, Hollins, Van Ness, and Inigbare. Linebacker is Campbell, Walker, McDuffie, Wilson. Corner is Jair, Razul, Carrington, Nixon, and Gaines. Safety is Savage, Ford, Levitt, Owens, Johnson. And I still have some space here. How do I have so much space? Am I counting these wrong? I feel like I should be out of space by now. I have 24 and 24. That's only 48. Oh, and then I got the, the additional three. That's right. So I have two spots left. I know Brenton Cox has got most people kind of fired up and and really honestly the only question for me that matters is is he going to survive if we wave him i seem to be in the minority in saying that i think he will again i i i think he was an undrafted free agent for a reason and i don't think it was just based on what he did off the field i really don't i could be entirely wrong but either way those things still exist what did he do 
in this preseason that made him so unbelievably desirable that he went from undrafted free agent to we have to go get that guy? What did he do? The guy has a 64.1 PFF grade. He has a 55.6 pass rush grade. He has four pressures on 37 attempts, which is right at about 10% with no sacks. His greatest asset right now is his run defense, and his tackling has a 28.5 grade. He's the only edge rusher right now that has uh, notched a missed tackle so far. And again, I can go back into his college and, and show you the same thing. He never really was an elite football player. He had a 67 grade in, in, uh, at Florida last year, and it, well, that was un, un, unusually low. Okay, in 2021, it was a 78. Do you know how many guys are at a 78 in college? He had 35 pressures on 325 attempts. That's barely above 10%. In college, six sacks in college. Before that, it was 77 grade, 48 pressures, 348 attempts, and four sacks. 482 speed. I mean, what what is the thing that you look at and just go? I mean, I understand how good he was in high school. I know that he was highly recruited. Sometimes these guys don't super pan out. So I may talk myself into adding him again, but I just I don't know. I I'd, I'd have to kind of see if I could go back and find because I know it's very rare that guys actually end up getting picked up. Who were these guys and what were the situations? It's 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 of course it's possible he ends up getting nabbed and that would suck. I just don't think it's going to happen. On the other hand, <laughs> I don't think I want to add Tarverius Moore back. I, I kind of want to stand on that. I'm, I'm probably wrong, but I don't want to be in a situation where they end up waving Tarverius Moore and everybody's like, oh, nobody saw that coming. Like, dang it, I freaking did. Oh, you're 53? No, I had him on my 53. But I said it a few times. I just don't see it. I don't get it. I think one thing to keep in mind is that we're actually quite low at corner. I also mentioned not too long ago, Ballantyne was one of our quote-unquote core special teamers last year. He's probably the only guy that's still on this team right now that played over 100 snaps in special teams last year. And so I've got one more spot, and the, the uh, if we assume Tarverius is not here, the two, at least on defense, that are glaring for me would be Brenton Cox and uh, Jonathan Ford, and I am leaning Jonathan Ford. And, you know, again, it is purely out of necessity, I guess, in terms of just having bodies. It is where we are the lightest as far as defense. The average is four linebackers. We have four. The average is five edge rushers. We have five. We have six corners, which is the average. Safety is 4.5. We're sitting at five, so we're even slightly over there. Defensive line, the average is 5.7, which rounds to 6, and we have 5. The other areas would be um, tight end, which I don't think I'm going to add another tight end, and running back at 3.5. So we can go back to offense and add Emmanuel Wilson, a random tight end, we'll just put free agent in there, or Jonathan Ford. And and that's who I had initially, just a gut feeling. I, I feel like it's going to be another a, a defensive heavy group, just based on where I think the talent kind of resides. And, uh, I mean, Ford, we didn't think should have been on the team last year, and he was. So that's the direction I'm going to go. And funny enough, when you compare that to the 53 that I already had, it's basically identical. The only real difference is I talked myself into dropping Tarverius Moore and adding Corey Ballantyne, which I don't think I would have come to on my own. I mean, just from the method of, you know, stripping people down. So anyways, that's, I, I think, I mean, obviously I'll let you know if anything changes. I think... We've got our final official 
53, which is mostly what it's been. So I guess what you could say is sort of the hot takes before we take a break here, or at least controversial takes. No Emmanuel Wilson, yes to Patrick Taylor. No Grant DeBose or anybody else, yes to Malik Heath. Yes to Austin Allen. Um, I can't imagine anything on the offensive line is massively controversial. I don't have a designated backup center like James Empey or Cole Schneider. Yes to Sean Ryan, controversial to some people, not necessarily to me. Yes to Jonathan Ford. No to Brenton Cox. Yes to Corey Ballantyne is, is probably one of the bigger... I, I, well, maybe not. Yes to Corey Ballantyne. No to Tarverius Moore. And I do have Innis Gaines over Shamar Jean Charles. I don't know that to be the case. Shamar is a drafted guy. He's been with the team for a while. I don't know if they're just going to walk away from him that easily, but I do think Innis Gaines has been the better football player. I think he is a better backup slot corner. So that's what I'm rolling with. Anyways, why don't we take a break? We'll come back. We'll talk about this next preseason game. We don't have a ton of information on who's playing and who's not. But now that we have this foundation, I kind of want to look through and say, what what are we looking for, first of all? But but secondarily, I guess they're kind of the same thing. What are we looking for from the guys that we either know are on the team? Or what are we looking for from the guys that are either not on the team or on the bubble that could potentially change this, the guys that are either on or off? Before we take a break, big shout out. I don't know the last couple I got, so let me back up a little bit. Shout out to Mark and Mr. Ken Wayne, who jumped on Patreon. Really do appreciate that. Again, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support the podcast for as little as $1 per month. Also, thank you to Dylan Campbell for hitting me up on Venmo. You can hit me up at Venmo at Packernet Podcast. Please remember to check out grassfedcooperative.com. Get yourself some delicious grass-fed beef delivered directly to your door. They do offer free shipping. Please use promo code PACKER10, that's capital P, PACKER10, for 10% off your order. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, 
and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so let's start this thing off here. Um, I, it, it's my understanding, and I, well, my, my first understanding is things are always subject to change. So we'll see. Never, I, I'm never going to believe that anybody's playing until I see them with their helmet on standing on the grass. With that said, Matt LaFleur did say the starters are going to play. He didn't specify Jordan Love or anything, but the question was asked, will the starters play? And he just flat out said, yes, they're going to play. So with that being the case, I'm assuming it's going to be very, very similar to how it has been. That is to say, Jordan is going to get one series. If that series does not go very well, they'll give him a second series. Assuming that doesn't go well, we, we don't really know because I think that was the plan all along, but every single time that first series has been a failure and every single time the second one resulted in a touchdown, and by every time I mean in the two games. So my, that's my assumption is he's going to get one more chance if that doesn't go well. I don't think he gets a third. I could be wrong. I don't know. But I, I think at that point, they're just like, all right, we, we gave you your mulligan. It didn't work out. Time to get Clifford back out there. You, you could ask the question, would we see a little bit more Magoo? And I kind of contemplated that for a minute, thinking this is number three. We got to see, uh, give Magoo a little bit of extra time. But I think, you know, the whole the whole plan is we want to get Sean Clifford as many snaps as possible because he's going to be our backup and we want him to get him caught up as much as we possibly can. So I don't think that that's really going to change all that much. The other question, I guess, would be, are we going to see a ton of Jordan Love? Because week three is usually when that happens. But it usually is when that happens back when we had four. And if you recall, when there were four preseason games, the third preseason game was the big game for all the starters. And then the fourth one, they didn't play at all for the most part because they got a game in a couple weeks. So the third preseason game in that regard is kind of similar to this, the fourth. So I just I don't think it's going to be a ton of the starters could be wrong. But look, at, at, at this point for Jordan Love, I'm going to shift everything that I've been saying. Um, it's really just about setting the floor, I think. You can have a scenario where Jordan Love goes out and doesn't score a touchdown on his one, two drives, however many it is, three, four, and I'm content. Because I feel like we've started to build a picture of Jordan Love that is mostly positive. And we're not going to be able to answer the consistency question in a very short period of time. We're going to have to see four quarters to see what that looks like. I just don't want to see a collapse. And, and listen, that's going to happen. It's really not even going to mean much if he does have a collapse. It's just for my own state of mind, we haven't seen that. We've seen a relatively high floor, and that's been one of the most positive aspects of Jordan Love, is that everything seems really solid. Again, with his decision-making his understanding of the offense, his ability to operate within the offense, it's all looks so unbelievably positive. I just want that to continue. If it ends in a field goal, so be it. If it ends in a missed field goal, so be it. I just don't want to see sort of a Sean Clifford pick six followed by a pick, followed by, all right, you're done for the day. Or like a three and out and then a pick. Just continue to go out and operate, distribute the ball to your guys, rely on them to kind of take it from there. And if you do that, then I'm, I'm content. Sean Clifford, just keep doing exactly what you've been doing. Aaron Jones, get off the field as soon as possible. A.J. Dillon, continue doing what you have been, which is 
show the vision, and keep slamming the crap out of people. After that, again, I think Patrick Taylor's the guy. I, I think he was a, you know, again, when you factor in that he was a core special teamer last year, I think they view him as a special teamer this year. I think they like him kind of across the board. So I kind of feel like that's more or less locked in. What could he do to knock himself off? I don't think much of anything. I think, if anything, the job could be stolen from him, which is, in my opinion, unlikely, at least in terms of my perception of what's going to happen. I could be way off. Emmanuel Wilson could be the guy he could be locked. Maybe Lou Nichols, having done nothing and being injured, is going to be locked in just because he's a seventh-round pick. I'm just talking about my perception. What could change it so that after the game, I'm changing my tune going, "Uh, I don't know that there's anything Patrick Taylor could do. Unless he has, what the heck was that guy we drafted a while ago that I liked? I think he was a seventh-round pick. And he played, I think, in the regular season, and he had like two carries, and both of them were fumbles, and that was basically it for his entire NFL career. Maybe something like that. I, I just, I just don't think so. I, I, the only person, I mean, we'll we'll see if if Lou Nichols or Tyler Goodson are out there. But again, they've they've played almost no time whatsoever, so I don't think there's anything they could possibly do. Emmanuel Wilson, if they give him a ton of time, and in that time he's demonstrating the other things that matter, the blocking the receiving, and especially, especially, especially special team. That would maybe give me pause. They gave him a lot of opportunities, and he did a lot with it. The other thing would be if they gave him opportunities as a returner, kind of like they did with Samori Ture, and he just tore it up. But even then, it would be kind of iffy, because it's one game. And Patrick Taylor's been doing it for all of last year and this entire offseason. How does Emmanuel Wilson do it for one game and steal the job away? So this one feels very locked in. I think other than a complete implosion from Patrick Taylor and or, more likely and, Emmanuel Wilson getting a lot of special teams time and capitalizing on it, I don't see this changing. Wide receiver, I mean, it's mostly health, especially for Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Ture, Wicks, I guess. But, you know, I, I have been unbelievably hyped about Christian Watson, and I haven't seen... I know the potential of Christian Watson. I haven't seen the relationship between Jordan Love and Christian Watson fully flourish the way that it did with Aaron Rodgers. I know there's been some throws in camp, so we just haven't really seen it in the preseason, but it's been there in the camp. But I would just like to see that a little bit. I'm I'm sure Dobbs is going to be targeted more than Watson, but I would like to see that, whether it be, and it doesn't have to be a deep pass. That's the thing. His touchdown against the Eagles was not a deep pass. Just show me the relationship in terms of utilizing the talent that is Christian Watson. Other than that, please just stay healthy. Romeo Dobbs, I don't need to see much. I've seen everything I need to see. He could go out there, drop some passes, and get pulled. It wouldn't change my opinion of him, really. I mean, it would make me a little bit nervous because drops have been kind of an issue for almost our entire receiving group. But, yeah, not not much. Almost the same with Jaden Reed. I don't know that he can do much that's going to change my opinion of him. I know that... I, I, I know what he can do. And I also know that he's very young and very raw. So anything he does on the high end of the extreme, I'm going to temper it back down. Anything he does on the low end, I'm probably just going to bring it back up. There isn't a ton that can happen that's going to change my opinion of Jaden Reed. Samore Ture, I think it's a matter of, prove to me that I'm wrong when I say that Tay Wicks and Malik Heath may be ahead of you on the depth chart, and your job may be in trouble in 2024. When Grant DeBose is going into year two, and we're probably going to draft at least one wide receiver on top of having three or four more undrafted free agents come in. Show me that I'm silly for saying things like that, and you are the very clear number four, and that maybe Jaden Reed shouldn't even be put square ahead of you. That Tay Wicks and Malik Heath got nothing on you right now. Demonstrate that. Otherwise, I'm going to keep rolling with that 
that presumption. And, and that presumption isn't just about 2024. It's about I don't know how much of him we're going to see in 2023. My first instinct is we're going to see a lot early on, but then Tay Weeks and Malik Heath will take over. But remember, Samori Turi is primarily a slot guy, and they're mostly going to be using Jaden Reed for that. And if they're going to sub somebody on the boundary in for Romeo Dobbs or Christian Watson, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Samori Turi? I think if you want a Romeo Dobbs replacement, I'm putting in Tay Wicks. Maybe Malik Heath. I don't know between the three who would be the best Christian Watson option. I don't know that we have one. If anything, slide Jaden Reed out there to be the Christian Watson option and then let, you know, maybe Samori Turi come in in the slot in that situation. But just from a, if we forget the designation and, and alignments and all that, just show me you are a better wide receiver than those other guys. Malik Heath just keep, you know, it's, it's all about the goon squad, man. Whether that be blocking or just going up and getting 50-50 balls, just being, I mean, it's kind of like a, a, a version of Romeo Dobbs, which is you're not as talented presumably as a guy like let's say tay wick but the heart is is where it's at and then tay i mean it's just just keep doing what you've been doing i mean everybody's kind of doing what they need to do right this is my lane thrive in your lane i mean a 40 yard bomb to tay wicks would be fantastic but that's not what you're gonna live on in the nfl if you make a career out of this thing right lazard had some go routes too but nobody's gonna look at lazard and say yeah he was a heck of a deep ball guy dominate your lane. Um, as far as the guys on the outside looking in, I mean, they probably need a little bit of an assist from somebody. Whether that, I, I don't think Tay Wicks is going to get dropped out. So it's between Samore Ture and Malik Heath. If these two guys really seem to struggle, and especially, I'm not going to lie, if Samore Ture is all over special teams again, it's it's might even make me more nervous than 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 anything. But somebody's got to stand out. And primarily, I'm looking at Grant DeBose. I don't think, I mean, Bo Melton's been hurt, and the Packers are not going to like his size. Cody Crest, I, I, it's just not going to be a thing. And then Bonds and Watts, there's no way. So DeBose is a seventh-round pick that, that Gutekunst would potentially be interested in putting on the 53. And technically, we could just add a seventh. But a little assist from Ture or Heath not looking good, and then a breakout game from DeBose, whatever that might mean. But he's got to kind of put himself on the map a little bit here because he, he hasn't he hasn't had much opportunity. He's been hurt a lot, but he needs to, to kind of step it up. Tight end, I mean, I'd love to see that big play to Musgrave. We've been kind of, you know, teased with it. We've seen him running open and, and you know, Jordan missed him. But ultimately, man, I, I just, I feel comfortable enough that I, I know what this Musgrave thing is going to be about. So health is just far and away the most important thing. And a nice big play would be kind of cool, though. Tucker Craft is like Grant DeBose, man. Put yourself on the map. Give me something to work with here. Uh, Josiah's job is etched in stone, so I'm not too worried about it. It would be nice to kind of see something cool out of him. Last week was a little bit of a disappointment. He just looked, especially up uh, compared to a guy like Musgrave, you see a DeGuaro catch a pass and flail trying to fall forward for a yard and fail. And it's just like, oh, geez, that's ugly. But the biggest one, obviously, is Austin Allen. Because I do think we need one more tight end. The, the question is, is it Austin Allen? And I, I, I really think that the Brian Gutekunst is going to be working the phone. He has been working the phones a lot. But after this game, I think a lot of phone calls are going to be made. Because this is the final evaluation to find out if we have what we need. And, I, and this is the, like, if you ask one position, where is the one that, that we're likely to go out and find a free agent? It's going to be tight end. With Tyler Davis getting put on IR, Tucker Kraft not really stepping into his own. That would be the number one thing. I, I mean, it, it depends who's available. I mean, you know, he'll make the phone calls and call the people that he thinks could maybe fill in that role and, and you know, get a price and see if it's a reasonable price. But I, I have to assume that's that's going to be the one 
that they're really going to hone in on. But Austin Allen's job is to make sure that Gutekunst doesn't make that call. That's your job. Offensive line, man, oh man. I, I, I don't see, I know, well, I shouldn't say I know, but Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Tom, they're, they're on the 53. I don't think there's any situation that Myers could just lose his job entirely. Rashid Walker, I feel like, is locked in his spot, as has Yash Nyman. There, there's always the case to be made that, you know, Rashid Walker has supplanted Yash Nyman as that swing tackle, making it less likely that we need Yash Nyman. Of course, you could always use a second one, but if the trade compensation is high enough, maybe you consider it. But, eh. And then Sean Ryan and Royce Newman. Well, I, I guess I should say this. Rashid, it's not, a, it's not a guarantee that Rashid has won anything. I think he has kind of stepped in front of Yash Nyman. But he does need to establish himself in terms of, like, officially, I, I am better than Yash Nyman. I'm going to be that dude. And, and the same goes for Yash Nyman. He needs to reestablish himself as the premier tackle. So that's going to be a pretty big battle between the two of them. Sean Ryan and Royce Newman, it's just a matter of, I mean, can they be bad enough to be off the team after this week? Or, you know, possibly kick down into the, the practice squad if they think they can survive it? Sean Ryan, at least. Something else we'll have to look at is eligibility. Because I know you can pretty much stash anybody on there, but only a certain number of these people, and then you have a certain number of these people. We'll get into that after the game, but I just don't think so. I don't know that there's a ton that can be done. I, I do, you know, the, the, the biggest question for me has been James Empey, and Caleb Jones is probably the next best player, if I had to guess, on this group, but I just, I don't see another tackle being put on the team. We have David Bakhtiari, Rashid Walker, Zach Tom, Yash Nyman. In a pinch, we could put Elton Jenkins. In a pinch, we could technically put John Runyon. In a pinch, we could put Royce Newman. We have so many guys that can play tackle on this team. I mean, literally everybody on this offensive line, with the exception of Josh Myers and Sean Ryan. And Sean Ryan was a tackle. I just don't think he can do it. But, you know, if, if Josh Myers has as terrible of a outing as he has, it shouldn't even be based on that, honestly. It's, it's a question of, do we have a backup center? And if James Empey can come out and really show something, it might be worthwhile to have him on the 53. But... Eh. Defensive line. I mean, Kenny, if he plays, just stay healthy. Wyatt, I need I gotta see something, man. I know you've dominated every single freaking camp, every practice. But the preseason has been horrific. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's just got Myers and, and the guards figured out. He just knows how to play them, but but that's it. It's he's like a one trick pony or what. But dude, he goes up against uh anybody else and he's just been erased. So we got to see something there. Colby and and uh, and and Brooks, Colby Wood and Carl Brooks. I just 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 don't stop. I'm having so much fun riding this hype train. Stay healthy, keep doing what you're doing. I don't think there's really a path for Slayton, Lawan, Moultrie. Slayton's uh, uh, the other Slayton. T.J. Slayton is is firmly on it. Jonathan Ford. I mean, I can't say if he's so bad he stays off. He hasn't been good to begin with. He's never graded out well. He didn't last year when he made the 53. He doesn't this year, even though the, the first week was okay, and it was mostly pass rush, which we know is a fluke. I shouldn't say fluke, but I mean, again, that's not what you're going to do in the NFL. I, don't, I, don't, I, I legitimately don't think there's anything he could do that would have me kick him off. It's just a matter of, I think the Packers like him, and it's a necessity thing. Um, Rashawn, he shouldn't be out there at all. I will protest if he is, but stay healthy. Preston, I don't need to see much. Hollins, I, it's the same thing I've always said. Just show me why the Packers like you so much. Van Ness, a continued jump. Week one, he was erased. Week two, he kind of showed a little something, but wasn't massively effective. Week three, being able to get to the quarterback would be amazing. K 
Kingsley, we we have to temper our expectations. Last week was ungodly. It, that that's that's not replicable. But um, yeah, I, I don't need to see much from the edge group in general. I think the only thing is Brenton Cock. He's he's one of the guys that's off my fifty three that is just haunting me. Partially because everybody else has him on, but partially because I mean he has shown some ability, even though I think he looks more reckless than anything, unnecessarily reckless. But I mean, if if it's like three weeks in a row of kind of looking and going, mm, that dude looks pretty good, especially if it's in a big way, you know, if he has like a Kingsley and Igbare day or he's slightly less than that, there's going to have to be some reevaluation, especially if Jonathan Ford is looking terrible. It's like, come on, are we really doing this? And 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 again, you can kick Van Ness inside. You've got some flexibility there. Technically, you could put Rashawn or any pretty much any of these guys that you want. If you need to slide them inside just for the heck of it, go for it. Not that that's ideal to replace a nose tackle, but if it's just a depth thing. Um, but I, I am relatively comfortable, but that would be the, if, if Ford is terrible and Cox has a great day, that's going to mess with my head pretty, pretty heavily. Linebackers, man, uh, Quay's been pretty solid. Devondre, I don't think is going to play. He's been injured. Quay has been pretty solid. Just continue that. He's our highest graded linebacker through the preseason. Seems to be, you know, ahead of where he was last year. I I just want to see that continue. Um, McDuffie and Wilson are mostly special teamers, so there's not a ton that they can do that would change anything. But I do like them as linebackers, so that continued aggression and hustle just would be nice to see. Tariq and Jimmy Phillips, I mean, I just I don't see a path unless Devondre is, is seriously, seriously injured. Which, I mean, th- that that is honestly a situation that is should be considered. If Devondre gets put on, for example, Pup, could Tariq get elevated and you have Quay and McDuffie with Wilson and Tariq. It could be Jimmy Phillips, I suppose, but it's not really having anything to do with this preseason game, but it's something to contemplate. I mean, it, we're, we're kind of just kicking the can down the road because Devondre is going to come back and then what? But, well, Tariq gets kicked to the preseason or the, the practice squad is what's going to happen. Um, corner Jair should not play. Razul, I don't need to see a ton. Keyshawn, I kind of do though. I've been saying, I kind of feel like I don't know 100,000% that he's the best slot corner. I'm not trying to say he's bad, but but as I've said before, I think the fan base's love for him is as a returner. And I think as a result, we overhype him as a corner. I think he is as mediocre of a player as you'll find and potentially slightly below average. So it's weird because I don't even know if Innis Gaines has beat out Shamar, Char- Shamar Jean Charles, but I, I, I'll put it this way. Innis Gaines and Shamar, all, uh, both of those guys, should fight as hard as they possibly can to at least establish themselves as the number two. But I want to see if they can establish themselves as the number three. And Keyshawn, I want him to prove that he is, again, make me feel stupid for even saying it. Um, Valentine, I actually think is somewhat interesting. I kind of feel like he's automatically on the 53, but I don't know if we should take it there. Now that I've kind of pushed Valentine on, it makes Valentine slightly less necessary. Now, we probably are going to need this many corners anyways. But if Valentine has a really bad day, let's just say it. It's just one day, but it's only been two good days and only one really good day. And I know he's a seventh-round pick, but if, if we're going to lock Corey Valentine in there, and let's say Valentine has a great day and Valentine has a bad day, we lock Valentine in because he's a special teamer anyways. If Valentine's ahead of Valentine, do we 100% put Valentine on? So for Valentine, just keep doing what you're doing. At least have a decent day. Don't have a terrible day, because I don't want to have to question this. Valentine, similarly, just don't have a terrible day. I see you as a special teamer. You are sort of the number six corner on the roster. You're kind of like Levitt 
we're not really depending on you to be a corner, but at least prove that you can be an adequate corner if things really get negative in terms of injuries. Um, Savage, I mean, I don't actually mind the situation we're in with Savage right now in the offseason, mostly because we just haven't heard his name. And as much as that might be disappointing if he was like a rookie first-round pick or a second-year first-round pick where you're really hoping to hear a big name, our expectations have bottomed out on Savage to such a degree that not hearing his name, in my opinion, is a positive. Not hearing that he's getting beat by tight ends and beat by this guy and touchdown caught on Savage. I'm not hearing that very much, which I'm just going to take as a positive at this point. Um, man, for the rest of them, I mean, it's just, it's wide open. For Tarverius Moore, Rudy Ford, Dallin Levitt, Jonathan Owens, Anthony Johnson, not so much Benny Sapp, but I mean, anywhere from being the number two safety to being the number six that doesn't make the team, it's wide open. So do something. And I would love it more than anything if Jonathan Owens would do something. I mean, honestly, it would be great if Anthony Johnson did just because it's, you know, we, we, the, the ceiling feels really high for him. But I would love to see something from Jonathan Owens just because I feel like he's going to be forced on us against our will, against my will at least. And I would just love to feel more comfortable with that situation than I currently am. Because he is the most consistently awful safety in the NFL <laughs> of probably anybody that's in the NFL right now. I know he's dating the gymnast. I get it. It's cool that she wears like Packer gear and stuff and says, go Pack O. That's fantastic. But I would love it, really love it, if, if he could just be awesome. Um, specifically... I mean, right now, Tarverius Moore, I took off. If he has a great day, or even if he starts with the twos right away, I'm going to feel less comfortable. I mean, they rotate a ton anyways, and honestly, that could just be them giving him one last legitimate shot, but that's going to make me feel uncomfortable. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, if Anthony Johnson has a really bad day, it feels like he should be on the team, but maybe they'll think it's just a little early and we got a ton of guys. Um, I don't know. I mean, if Dallin Levitt is real bad, I mean, he's messing with me to begin with because he's he's like our number one special teamer outside of like this, you know, strictly special teams guys. But yet he's just not, he, I mean, he doesn't do a good job as far as PFF is concerned on special teams, which maybe means nothing. I don't know. I'm sure that's a hard thing to grade. It's like a kicker on kickoffs, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, I'm dug in on Dallin Levitt, but if he just, if he doesn't produce on special teams and if he looks bad as a safety, it's just, it's, again, it's just going to mess with me. So there isn't a ton that a lot of people can do that can really move the needle, right? Anders can have a terrible day and he's still going to be the guy. It's not going to matter. Yes, I would love to see Anders do great. It doesn't make a difference what he does though, because again, it just is what it is. I think that's similar for Pat O'Donnell. I could be way off. I just haven't really seen like so much Daniel Whelan and such a great performance from him. Maybe he's just flying under the radar. We just forgot to pay attention. I don't know. I've heard about his big leg. But I don't know that that's necessarily produced better results. Same with Hatcher, you know, as a, as a long snap. So I, I don't know. I don't know. In in one final game, can you do enough to win the job over a guy like Pat O'Donnell? Can you, as a long snapper who's been the worst long snapper so far through the the this off season, win the job this one last time? I don't think so. I think it's there's a shot for Shamar. Maybe you know William Hooper, Keandre Thomas, possibly if they can show something on special teams. Because remember, I think William Hooper's had a good offseason, but Ballantyne's a special teamer. So if any of those guys, Keandre Thomas, Tyrell Ford, William Hooper, whatever, can establish themselves as special teamers, maybe they can take their job as a special teamer with a higher upside as a corner. Uh, Brenton Cox, obviously, is double circle, double underline. Empey, maybe. 
Debose, maybe. Emmanuel Wilson, maybe. But that's about it. And and I think they're all kind of long shots. And it for me. And again, the the, the issue is even with one last game, and, and this is one of the problems I saw even with uh, the last uh, practice that, that happened. People see data and they're like, oh, there it is. Change everything. Not recognizing in comparison to all the data that already exists, this is so minuscule. They had the, the last training camp I saw, um, Zach Tom was starting at center and I think it was Rashid at right tackle or something. And oh my goodness, Packers Twitter had a meltdown. First of all, they've been rotating these guys constantly. Second of all, they didn't even start practice that way. They started practice with Myers at center and Zach Tom at right tackle. Third of all, Myers has been the center 98% of snaps. The fact that Zach Tom slid in there for, you know, maybe a half of practice, maybe a quarter of practice, a, 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 an eighth of practice, and we're going to overreact to that just because it's what we want to be true? Come on, man. There's so much data that is contrary to this. So... We shall see. I'm sure things can happen that I didn't consider. I could cause a paradigm shift, but that's all I got for now, man. I'm not currently planning a live stream. That could potentially change. I bought a couple ribeyes for my son's birthday, which is Friday, today for me. But he is going to forego those and wait until the Packer game to cook those. So we're going to do prime rib. Uh, prime rib, listen to me. We're going to do um, ribeyes, probably some potatoes and stuff hang out, watch the game. So one thing I don't like is doing all that cool stuff and then having to rush and because, you know, you got a YouTube thing to do. So don't really plan on that, I guess. Week one against the Bears might be a different story. Anyways, I'm out of here. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.